Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Whoa, it's office hours. The last one before we go to television. So uh, what a great way to end and start a legacy with one of the people that created my legacy, and she doesn't even know it or sort of knows it, but she knows a lot because she wrote a book called The Knowing with her lovely sister as well, uh, Serena Sage Dyer. Welcome to Office Hours. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. What an awesome introduction. <laughs> well, you're an awesome person and uh, with an awesome family. Um, you know, we'll start with, in case some people don't know, Sage and Serena, their father was my original mentor as I went through my quantum shift. In fact, he had a movie, uh, since he's not here, I always tell people, you can watch the, this movie, The Shift. It's on YouTube. And it's a movie that it's a little bit slow, Sage, I have to be honest, but right. it changed literally changes me. Uh, I go, it's not one that you, you need to sit down for all two hours in a row. You can pick it back up. Uh, it right. kind of feels like a, a lifetime film, you know, your time, my time, lifetime. Right. Um, but, you know, the idea of having quantum shifts for men and women um, is a knowing that really allows me to pursue my own potential, to understand what's inside of me. Being around your father for all those years, being around your siblings for all those years, inherently, we start watching things more than even listening to things. What are the things that you know now from watching as I watch this movie, The Shift? And I encourage everyone to do so, even if it takes you two or three different sittings. What are some of the things from observing that, that you now know uh, that you put into your book, in fact, uh, from observing your father and, and your siblings? Yeah, I mean, it's funny that you bring up the shift because um, my dad had, when he made that movie, he was so proud of it. And he had this vision that um, if he got, I think, 1% or maybe it was 10% of the population to watch it, that it could create a quantum shift. You know, if, if this amount of people really integrated what the movie was about. And I remember I was one time on a cruise where he was uh, working on the cruise. You know, he would do these like... And it was the, the TV had one channel and it just played that movie over and over and over again. <laughs> so I watched it all the time for that week because it was the only thing on TV and I would just put it on to fall asleep. And, and the message really started to sink in because, you you know, you watch something enough times. And I feel like um, it, it sunk into a degree. But for me, it, it wasn't until my dad passed away that I really even sought his work because my whole life had been smooth sailing really until then. I had no reason to um, be looking deeper. But when my dad passed away, I, uh, I was at a crossroads. Am I going to make this the worst thing that ever happened to me? And it's going to be all the never agains and all these fear-based thoughts about death? Or was it going to be an opportunity for me to get to know my father's work to really dive into it and to apply it to my life. And uh, ultimately I made the decision to get intimate with his work. And in doing that, I've discovered that my father is a still with me and that everything is on time. And that um, this isn't for me to question with my ego when, you know, we all, we all show up on time and nobody questions your birth. It's this beautiful celebration. But so many of us spend our lives fearing and questioning our deaths and the, the deaths of our loved ones. And I've just gotten to a place where 
I don't do that, at least with my father. I, I under, you know, there are different ways that people die. You can lose a child and these are harder things to grapple with. But for me, losing my father is no longer something that I question. It's something that in a way I celebrate because it's opened my eyes to a whole new world of his work. And, um, you know, Sage, you're, you're exposing me. I know Michael especially is intimate with your father's work and yeah. has had, you know, he's the one that uh, went to the psychic and told him his business partner, you know, was intimate with Wayne Dyer. But yeah, it, it was uh, it's exposing me because I, <laughs> I, I have this guilty, this guilty side of me that, you know, some people are amazed with the things that I've learned and, you know, Sometimes I'm like, gosh, I, I, if they would just listen to Wayne Dyer, he says it so much better than I do. <laughs> but go, go, go ahead, guys. Sorry. That, that was a great point. And you actually had me thinking about something. And I know you talk about this a lot, Dave, with the playbook specifically, legacy, right? And with, with Wayne's legacy, with your dad's legacy, it's, it's so awesome because – Folks like Mike and David have been direct pupils and they've, they've watched his, his speeches, they've read his books, you know, they've seen his movies. But then there are folks like myself who honestly, I haven't, you know, intimately made a relationship with Wayne Dyer, but I've learned a lot from Mike and Dave, right? And now my children will also learn second and third hand what I've learned from these guys. So it's amazing how your legacy can be both direct and then also through these these links and these chains uh, and passed down that way. Yeah. And, and my question for you, Sage, is you, you think about children of a lot of successful folks over the years. And there's, there's so much sort of uh, commentary around, like, for example, in the sports world, like, will LeBron James kids play basketball? You know, will George Bush Jr. go into politics? You know, you've actually leaned in and, and decided to write a book. What unique pressures have you, you felt, you know, trying to live up to your dad and, and how have you leaned into that and turned that into a positive? Yeah. Well, and just to comment on what you just said, you know, my dad would love that so much that his work is being translated and, and moved around to different people in different ways and different voices. When it came to the shift, he wanted it on YouTube so it could be available for free to everybody because he just wanted people to see the message. Um, and he always was giving his books away. So I think it's awesome that the message gets translated. And sometimes, you know, the way Wayne Dyer says it doesn't resonate with somebody, but the way you say it might. So, you know, the more people teaching it, the better. Um, tell me your question again. Sorry, I have a newborn. You know, I, I forgot it. I forgot it as well. So I'm glad you asked. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Just, just you know, entering into a space that your dad is very prominent in, specifically writing a book. How has right. that you know, your experience of, of, of being Wayne's daughter both helped you and how have you leaned into it to amplify it even more? Because I know some uh, children of successful folks have struggled with, with, with yeah. trying to follow their, their, their parents' footsteps. Right. You know, I try not to think of it that way because my dad's shoes were huge and I don't intend to step in and fill his shoes. But what happened, because I think that that's just, that feels too big. You know, I think, you know, life is taking small steps towards big things and, that would feel too big for me. But but when my dad passed away, I felt uh, very called to write. So I just started writing. Actually, the very the night he passed away on August 30th, I couldn't sleep that night, you know, for many reasons. I sat down on my computer and I wrote. And I remember I read it a few weeks later. and was like, wow, I can't believe I had this kind of insight only not even 24 hours in. And so I just went with that and I, and I kept writing and it, and it turns out my sister, Serena, who couldn't be here today because she's in Maui and it's two in the morning, but um, she, she was writing as well. And we eventually started to compare notes and we thought we could do this together. 
you know, so we, we combined it and it, we turned it into a book and we're both just enjoying it. My dad always said, you know, like your purpose is what brings you joy. So if you're enjoying what you're doing, then go with that. If it didn't feel good, I wouldn't do it. And I don't think that, you know, people of famous or prominent uh, who have prominent or famous parents should feel a pressure to, because maybe that's not your, your path, you know, but for me, this feels good right now. So we'll see where it takes me. Sage, I absolutely love that. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, I just wanted to, to follow up on some of the things that, that you guys have been talking about and Dave said and, and David followed up on and what you were saying about your father. Yes. Before we start, I just want to say it's an honor to speak to you. Uh, huge, you. huge fan of your father's, not just for the content, but I am literally a product of his work. I, I am, you know, I was the the professional, the lawyer who built out a very successful practice, made a lot of money, did all of those things and sat around at one point in my life saying something's missing, something's wrong. I'm not happy. What's this all about? And I didn't know where to turn. I had never been exposed to spirituality, inspirational speaking, motivational speaking, the power of positive thought, none of that. That just didn't cross my my path in life. So, you know, I tell people like if you spend a, a year or 10 years climbing a mountain and when you get to the top, you realize it's not the right mountain. What do you do? You, you go climb another mountain. And your father is one of the first mountains that I encountered and, and began to really explore. And it changed everything. And so you know, his quote, you probably heard it a million times. It's one of the ones that, you know, I repeat to myself very, very often. If you change the way you see things, the things you see change, right? Perspective in life. And you just alluded to that uh, when you said when he passed, you know, this could be the, the one of the worst things that ever happened in my life or I could use it to my advantage. I'm sure you could go on for forever telling us about the lessons that you learned privately and publicly from him. But if you could boil that down to to one or two of the ones that you see yourself going back to most often that you see helping you on a daily basis, what, what would that be? Yeah, I mean, right now, I would say for me, um, it's it's. I feel like so many of us go through our lives and we, we wonder, you know, am I living my purpose? What's my purpose? It sounds like you did a little of that. You know, you got to this place and you had achieved so much, but were you living your purpose? And uh, I've sort of liked to take that and shift it on its head because I think that in life, we don't have one purpose that, that we can find and live. I think that probably for you, when you were in your 20s or whenever you were in law school, that was your purpose and that, that you were on the right path then and it just shifted to take on a different meaning as you got older and for me right now I just had a baby two weeks ago he's in the living room <laughs> we might hear him at some That's... point I also have a two-year-old and um, I find a lot of purpose in being their mom and I was afraid to become a mom when I found out I was pregnant I was really filled with a lot of fear-based thoughts about how I could never have a career and how I could, um, you know, my life would just be over the way that it used to be, my freedoms, all that. And it turns out I had my children and my first child, and none of that was really true. It was just things I was telling myself. I can very much have a career. I'm having more of a career now than I ever did before. And it's just, um, it's changing the way you look at things. And it's, it's, like you said, it's finding your purpose in everything that you do. So for me, I find a lot of purpose in the fact that, you know, we're sitting on this this podcast right now and we're recording this and I get to talk about my book. And when this is done and I go out there and I'm a mom to my two boys, I find a lot of purpose in that as well. And um, I think there's a freedom in viewing it that way because it's almost like you don't, you know what, you reach your 60s or your 70s and you're retiring. So is your purpose over? 
No, right. you, you find a purpose in every stage in your life. Being a child has a purpose. Being an adult has a purpose. Being an elderly retired person has a huge purpose, you know? And um, through that journey of recognizing that for myself, I realized that, you know, we've all heard the quote, there is no way to happiness. Happiness is the way. And David, I think I saw a post of yours yesterday about that topic, which is what made me think of this now. Um, but I remember I've heard that quote a million times from the Tao. We've all probably heard it. It resonated with me after my son was born. And I realized that, you know, being a mother was not the way to happiness for me, nor was staying without children and you know i was married but in a way single in the sense that i could do whatever i wanted with my life uh that wasn't the way to happiness but instead i bring the happiness to my life every day and in every situation that i'm in and therefore it's a happy life it's a happy journey and this wasn't a realization that took place and I never look back. It's something I have to remember every day. You know, I bring the happiness, even when things feel like they're too much, you know, remembering that, the, the you know, with, when it comes to children, they're only little for so long. You bring the joy to these situations and they stay joyful. And my dad, uh, one of his biggest messages was just doing what makes you feel good. You know, if for you, it was, if you were no longer feeling good in this, top job as an attorney and all of that and you shifted it and i think that that's awesome because a lot of people wouldn't and would yeah. continue to just live the life that wasn't making them feel good. my dad's voicemail on his cell phone for the last like 15 years of his life was um hi this is dr wayne dyer that you've reached and i want to feel good and if your message is designed to do anything else you've reached the wrong number you know and you can call dr, <laughs> because... dr. phil and you can call yeah, Dr. Phil. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. You can, perhaps you should call someone else like Dr. Phil. So, <laughs> well, that you was know, his say, biggest message for me. And, and for me, as we finish up, um, and I know you'll be on the TV show, and hopefully Serena will be as well. I, I put my bets when I saw the date that you would not be here, but she would, because I thought you'd be having the baby. Um, but the the knowing, because I, you know, I recommend this book to, to everyone, really means a lot to me. Because I was supposed to, I think I told you, meet your father, and he passed right before I was supposed to go meet him. And um, there are no coincidences. Your thoughts about your purpose are your purpose. And I, I really worked myself over on <clears throat> what was the purpose of not being able to sit down and talk about my books and his books and you know all of this, this reconciliation, this remembrance, this reminding, this recollecting uh, that was going to occur. And then out of nowhere, I meet you and your sister and read your book. And then I received the knowing that, you know, it's like you said, and what David spurred us to think about this appreciation of what your dad did. And appreciation means one of the other things your dad said to add value. If your house goes up in value, you appreciate it. And so the legacy of your father is that all of us appreciate him. We're adding value uh, to the lessons that he taught, whether it be the shift or change the way you look at things, the things you look at change or the thoughts about your purpose are your purpose. Or, you know, as I taught Chris Gardner and Will Smith, there is no pursuit of happiness. Happiness is the pursuit. Listen to Wayne Dyer. And they laughed at me. Uh, but I have a new awareness uh, after reading uh, your and your sister's book, The Knowing. And I certainly not only appreciate your father's work, but appreciate you and your sister so much in the work that you're doing. 
and it inspires me to continue to appreciate his work, to add value to it and give it away and to allow it to come through me for others. And that's what you and your sister do and uh, absolutely enjoying the journey. Thank you so, so much. I can't wait to have you on the TV show next week. We look forward to talking with you. Thank you so much. Thank, Thank you, you so much. You've been so Thanks, generous Steve. with all your platforms. We appreciate it so much. So you, you're awesome. You're definitely, you walk the talk. It's so nice <laughs> to meet all of you. Likewise. Awesome. Congrats, by the way. Thank you. Congratulations. Thank you. Enjoy Thank the baby. So much. Thank Bye-bye. you. Gabe's is on the way. They can go be on baby dates together. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank Alrighty. you. Thank you. Okay. All right. Another dear friend coming on here. Uh, Ken Ritowski, um, founder of Metal. Metal is one of the uh, organizations that hosts the greatest thought leaders. I was just on the phone uh, with Craig Hartley uh, and, uh, you know, the you know, Rob Angels of the World. Like, the list goes on and on. You, fi- you fill up uh, all my shows, Ken, with, with your membership and uh, just in- enjoy it so much. Uh, Metal is uh, an organization that raises the awareness, collective consciousness, uh, but Ken himself is an international speaker, personality, killer brand behind him. You, you know, when I first saw Metal, I'm thinking, yeah, Carrie King, Ken. I was like, all right, what, what am I going to be doing here? <laughs> but you have different kinds of drummers. So welcome to Office Hours, my friend. I appreciate being here. Hi, guys. Good to see Morning. you all. I'm on, well, for me, it's night. I'm in Bali, so I'm on the other side of the planet. Ah, good evening. <laughs> well, I hope on a, a over-the-water bungalow in Bali. Uh, I have a killer place in Bali. It's in everything's on sale here, so it's like you can get a you can get a ten thousand square foot home for twenty two hundred dollars a month. There you go. I'm uh, as soon as this last kid goes to college. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Exactly. <laughs> it's crazy, right? Oh my god, I'm going to Bora Bora uh, in November, so hopefully I'll I'll learn that. Well, let's talk about metal because. You know, as I learned about metal, I got excited about metal. As I participated with metal, I got even more excited about metal. You know, how did metal come about? Got it. So uh, I lived in San Francisco for a, a while. I had a few exits. I sold the company to Yahoo and to Google. And uh, San Francisco was my home until the dot-com collapse. And someone told me to move where all the dumb people are. I go, where's that? They go, L.A. I go, What? <laughs> So I, I moved to Los Angeles, not knowing anyone and everyone I would meet in LA were posers, imposters, or I would call them $30,000 millionaires. They were people that pretended to have everything, but had nothing. And I, I, I realized that the idea of accountability wasn't inherent of that part of California. So I started in the early 2000s to find accountable guys. Initially, it, it turned into a co-ed group. LA is very hedonistic. And I found out that every time I would bring a great guy in and girl would come in, they would date. And all of a sudden they weren't part of my community anymore. (laughs) And uh, my wife at the time says, just make this an all men's group. I go, really? It's so (laughs) old school. Well, I started it and it, it, it started having thousands of members and um, metal stands for media, entertainment, technology, artist leaders. And that's what I initially attracted. So I looked at what Ted was doing. I like TED Talks. Um, I'm a former professor. I like teaching. So uh, what I did is I started on Saturdays 
a almost like a TED. I would bring speakers from around the world. LA is one of those epicenters that people would come to because they're either going to be on TV or they have their book launch. So I never paid for a speaker. And the speakers generally became part of the organization. And what I realized is most of these speakers or these, these influencers were actually lonely guys. Um, they had no one to talk to at their level. So I started collecting these, these, these incredible men from around the world. And it did really well. COVID hit. We had to do a pivot and we went online. And now what it is, is we, we, uh, we do our Saturdays, which is a, a two-hour kind of like a, let's call it a Zoom call right now. It's, it's a little more, it's, it's an impressive environment that we put together, but uh, we have 45 hours of weekly expert classes. So Dave Asprey teaches a class or uh, John Gray teaches a weekly class. So the members teach classes to the members. And um, I never thought it would metamorphosize into that. And that's what it is. But I make better sons, better dads, better husbands and just better men because we all make ourselves accountable to one another by really focusing on the we and not the i i know a long long description there i'm sorry about that guys. oh the people need to know it I, one of my favorite organizations in uh the way that you depict southern california and i i depict it as people buying things they don't need to impress people they don't like uh <laughs> You look up the word ostentatious in the dictionary, LA is right next to it, right? It's, <laughs> it's, and it's sad too, because you get caught up into that world. Uh, I've lived in LA since, and I had, I had this killer house. I, every, I was very LA and I decided when COVID hit, I don't want to be there anymore. And I sold everything. And I looked at my girlfriend, I go, let's just travel the world and find what has heart. And believe it or not, Bali, yes. Dubai. We settled also in Dubai. Dubai has heart. No one knows that right yet, but Dubai is awesome. It's an amazing it. part of the world. Yeah. Dave so, just got back. <laughs> yeah, I was just there a few weeks ago. It's, it's mind blowing. It's mind blowing. But thank you for, for using an acronym to name your company because Dave and Mike would agree as lawyers, our brains are trained to remember acronyms. So I will never yeah. forget this. Like literally everything in my life has become an acronym post 2005. <laughs> I love acronyms, right? <laughs> I mean, if you ever watch Jim Quick, Jim Quick always gets up on stage and Jim, oh. everything's an acronym. And that's the retention of that is really strong. But Absolutely. yeah. Absolutely. I, I want to I ask you a question because I, I believe strongly in the fact that you can do well by doing good. And some of the best things that have ever happened in my life have come from just trying to be abundant, do things for others without knowing where it would go. So what I want to ask you, Ken, is what has been the biggest surprise from this journey of you know teaching accountability and teaching the we and not the I from putting that stuff out there. The support from women. I mean, it's a men's group. And once I say we're a heart-centered group of accountable guys, women go, how do I get my husband involved? I mean, it's, it, it's almost as if you, I market towards women to bring great men in because the women are the ones saying my husband or my brother or my dad needs this. That was a surprising factor. My marketing forces are women. And mm. they, they appreciate it. And they even say, thank God he found this because now he's got friends from all over the world. Or, you know, he's, he's building a new business because of this. So, like, for example, and, and David knows this. Uh, David, you get a lot of guys from metal that come to you because you speak once, you inspire them. And all of a sudden, 
it's not one guy. You might get 10, 20 guys because they follow in, in, in masses towards things and they want to better themselves. Um, I don't drink. I don't smoke. It wasn't intention of mine not to do that type of stuff. But I seem to bring guys that are all about helping themselves. Let me, let me just say this. So my background is I'm a broadcaster. So uh, I, I came from uh, the radio world in Chicago. I, I created a radio show and I got that syndicated. And my last show, Business Rockstars, was on about 330 radio stations. So it was one of, one of the top stations in America. And I interviewed over 20,000 people over the last couple of decades. And I found four unique traits of highly driven people. And I'm, I'm, I'm talking about the Jim Carrey's, the Oprah's of the world. And those four tra traits were very much what the metal community is. And the first one is um, they focus on health. They make sure health is really essential. So not just body health, but mind health. So they will look at the Dave Asprey's biohacking side of things, as well as they'll look at the you know, latest in exercise. Number two is they, they have morning and evening routines. They, they focus on making sure they're doing stuff in the morning and they're doing stuff at night, which I thought was really interesting. Number three is um, they educate, they don't entertain. So they're not playing video games or binge watching stuff. They're listening to podcasts and watching documentaries. And the last one, which I thought was probably the most powerful was they all see themselves as uncommon, mm. meaning they're not the average. It's not like they see themselves as elite, but they all saw themselves as being different, not unusual, but uncommon. And it was interesting. I sat down with Elon Musk a long time ago and, I, and he said that. He says, I feel uncommon. I go, what's that mean? And Elon said, I don't settle for common things. Common is, and he went through this whole idea is a bag of chips is common. He goes, I'd rather have something that I have to go out of the way for. And I tend to attract those type of people. Those four traits are in most of my, my metal guys. Sorry, again, a long answer, guys. Yeah, I think that's the desire that you must be what you can be, that uncommon urge or uncommon pursuit that exists. That's the, the one commonality uh, that I have seen in all the different shows that I have and people that I've been around from sports and entertainment especially. They just must be what they can be. Go ahead, Mikey. I'm sorry for interrupting you. Yeah. Hey, Ken, love what you're saying. Um, I am personally and intimately familiar with metal. I've, I've been on the Saturday calls and I've gone through the breakout sessions. I'm good friends with a lot of the guys who are part of the organization. So, so I can tell you from personal experience, it really is an incredible organization. So congratulations on that. Can, um, real quick, Mike, I got to stop you just for a second. Your hair looks awesome, buddy. I'm yeah, I was going to tell you. Really? He's Damn. <laughs> I'm getting ready for the, for the TV show next week. I'm getting uh, I'm ready to go. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. <laughs> okay, go I've ahead. been Sorry thinking that, that for an hour. I've been thinking that for an hour. Oh my god! I'm like he's looks so he's ready for the TV show. I'm ready. I see him every week, and I'm like, who is this guy? <laughs> <laughs> man, I love you guys. Uh, thank you. Yeah. So uh, no, no. I really, I mean, it, metal really is, and I, you know, I, I'm familiar with a lot of organizations out there, a lot of different groups, and metal's clearly at the top of that that list. Um, for me, you know, the one thing I, that struck me when I, when, I was, when I went through, I listened to you speak, I listened to others speak, and then I went into the breakout rooms and got to know some people, which was great. What struck me was, like you said, the, the, the interaction between, it really is a heart-led brotherhood. You could tell from the way people were speaking to each other. It wasn't just, you know, everybody there is successful. That's clear. 
Um, but they're really there with a purpose to help others. And, and so then when you go back afterwards and, and you, you know, go on LinkedIn and say, who was I speaking to in that link in that room and, and the others, and you link up with them, you realize you are in the room with Goliaths. I mean, these are people that are really leading the industries around the world, but you don't know that when you're there. What do you attribute to that? To that, I mean, you have such an uncommon but incredible atmosphere in metal that seems to maintain, which just draws in the best of the best. What do you attribute that to? Someone I think David and I know pretty well. You know Kenny Aronoff, right, David? Yeah, he's awesome. Kenny is one of my best friends, and Kenny says it, and I think he's right. It's lonely at the top. Most of yeah. these guys, it's kind of like the hot girl. No one ever asks out the hot girl, and the hot girls yeah. stay, stay single for the longest time. Yeah. Uh, most of these guys are just never asked to be part of something because everyone thinks they are they are part of something. Yep. I, I want them to be part of it, awesome. and I inspire them because I want them to feel normal. Um, Kenny Aronoff is the best drummer in the world. He really is. Kenny... Kenny stays up to four in the morning on Friday nights, but he's there at 10 o'clock in the morning, be a metal. Right. And I, and that inspires me. The guy, and he's old, the guy's almost 70, even though he looks like he's 38, but he is ready to go. And that's across the board. All these guys, they, they just like being part of the group. And, yeah. and I'm, I'm in, I'm in Bali and being in Bali. I always tell my girl, the only thing I miss is just hanging out with the guys. I miss, and if you if you read anything from Allison Levine or Allison Armstrong and anything, you know, men need men to hang out with. It's 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 essential as much as women need to hang out with women. And boy, I I really crave my my brothers, and I think that's the thing we do is it's it's brotherhood and heart centered is on top and friends first. So again, another long answer. No, great answer is because they're detailed and valuable uh, as every time I've spoken with you and your group as well. And uh, the only thing that's difficult for me as a married guy with four kids is Saturday, 10 to 12. But there's uh, 45 other shows during the week. Just know I, that. I just, I just found out. I think I'm going to call you to join uh, right like, now. Like because- on Thursday, I just want to say on Thursdays, William Quigley, if you don't know him, the guy's worth $28 billion, self-made. He does a show on what's he owns wax he does a show just on what's going out the crypto then uh shaheen who does 100 million or 200 million on amazon he does a, a a master class so it's during the week are all these incredible classes so please david come by oh, you guys. I will. I'd, l- I'd love to teach a course as well so to add to the content that you have it'd be awesome uh people can go to metal.international.com uh and anywhere else we- international metal.international oh Oh, that makes more sense. Metal.international. Anywhere else people should reach out to you, Ken? I'm easy. Uh, I'm Ken Radio. I, I invented the podcast in the 90s. That's one of my claims to fame. So I'm Ken Radio on every platform. Ken Radio. That's amazing. All right, my friend. Enjoy Bali. Not that I need to say so. I look forward to joining Metal. And thanks for coming on Office Hours. Thanks, Ken. Thanks, Ken. You're awesome. Thank you. Ooh, power, powerhouse today, huh? I yeah. love that. I love that guy. I, I love mean, that. I love that group. I mean, that group is incredible. I had no idea they had that much content. I literally, Angels, Rob Angel, who invented Pictionary, he's a close friend of mine. He's been on me to join Metal since I've spoken there, yeah. and I'm like, dude, I can't do Saturday ten to twelve. <laughs> and Dave, Dave will find out when he has kids. Uh, you know that, that time's <laughs> difficult, but uh, now that I know it's all week long, and the people, all good friends that we have, are involved. So anyway, let's bring up Andrew Foreman. Uh, Andrew's founder and CEO of Gives, G-I-V-Z, 
It reminds me of that movie. <laughs> Boys. All right. Anyway, a Andrew, uh, you know, obviously uh, writing a book, Compassionate Capitalism, understanding how companies can make an impact uh, is a major part of my mission to empower over a billion people to be happy. Uh, when I worked as the CEO of Lee Steinberg, we wouldn't even take an athlete or a celebrity unless they gave back. It had to be a requirement to give back to a purpose or a cause or to have a charity. Uh, but there wasn't things like gives.com around uh, to help provide uh, those types of uh, performance-driven platform uh, that provides money and support to charities. Give us a little bit of background on the platform itself and what inspired you to build it. Yeah. So thanks. Thanks so much for, for having me on, guys. Excited to be to be chatting here. Um, in terms of background, what we do. So we see two huge trends happening in e-commerce right now. So we're starting e-commerce. I do think we can expand that to sports and a whole bunch of other things. Um, but in e-commerce, we see two huge trends happening. First, brands are trying to get away from discounts as much as possible. They realize that it attracts the lowest lifetime value customers. And at the end of the day, and this is something that I'm sure people have talked about on, on here before, I think I've heard it. <laughs> um, you know, how do you drive sales without discounting? Um, and, and, and that's a big area of focus for, for brands right now. Um, that's trend one. Trend two, totally separately, is that are, are trying to figure out how do we crack this case in terms of we have a ton of passionate customers. They all care about different things. How do we genuinely and authentically show our customers that we care about what they care about? Because right now, consumers, they, they're demanding some sort of purpose-driven activity from the brands that they're buying from. If you can't demonstrate that you care about what I care about, then you know, you're, you're gonna, you're going to, um, shop somewhere else. And so, and so we, the next, these two trends, we've now actually just got approved in the Shopify app store so that brands can just go in, click a button, install the app and basically say, you know, Hey, instead of spend a hundred dollars, get $20 off. You can run a promotion that says spend a hundred bucks, get $20 to give to the charity of your choice and empower the consumer to donate the money where it's needed most. Yeah, credibility and emotional attachment. Now, I know you came on and you got uh, three of us here to hopefully help you. Uh, you have a question for us? Yeah, I have. A, I do have a question um, for for you guys. Um, in particular, there's there's a lot going on here, and I think any anytime you're trying to like elevator pitch pithy this thing down as 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 much as possible, when you have both the social good side and a business case side, my question is around like. Which one do you lean into first um, and how <laughs> and how do you try to synthesize it all down to, you know, there are nine benefits of this thing. What's the one or two key takeaways that you need to hit um, given given what you've heard, which is not too much yet, but I'm happy to dive in more. Perfect. Uh, gentlemen, you want to take that or. I'll let Mike lead the time. Yeah. <laughs> Good morning, Andrew. If, you, if you're not ready, man, I can take it. and give I'm, you guys I'm ready. All right, cool. Yeah, no, Andrew, I think you it's look like a deer in headlights. Like, oh, shit. What am no, I supposed to tell the kid? <laughs> <laughs> I think, uh, you know, look, it's the old rule of fighting. If you, you know, try to try to not fight. But if you if you have to hit first and hit hard. Right. And go. the same applies to pitching. So whatever is most meaningful, <clears throat> there's there's always too much to, to get into a pitch. Right. There's never enough time. You have to lead off with your strongest points. You have to lead off with the things that are going to resonate with your audience the most, because ultimately, you know, there's there's something called primacy and recency. So you want to hit them primacy. You want to hit them first with the very, very powerful things. Go through the other things that you think are important and, the, and then finish with those things to recency. So they'll remember the first thing you say. 
Uh, they'll remember some of what you say in the middle and the last things you say. So I would use primacy and recency in that aspect, but I think that's an effective way. Makes sense. David? Yeah. Yeah, I think I think Mike definitely hit the, head, hit the nail on the head. The other thing is, for me, he, hit, he he gave you that biting thing, and you're like, he hit the head. Now you go to the body. Yeah, there you go. Body. Yeah, for me, it, I can't stress enough uh, telling a story and emotional connection. I mean, you know, establishing credibility by people wanting to root for you is probably key. And then if you incorporate re- primacy and recency, then that those two things together are uh, a great recipe for success. Yeah, in, these guys make really valid points for for me it's understanding you know the spectrum and that you're trying to reach you you nailed one important thing right you're looking for a specific customer one that's not looking for a bargain a discount you're looking to sell through your clientele to others so what i would do is do research to understand what the spectrum of people that you're addressing like and dislike uh, and then make sure that you make yourself equal to what they like and then add value to what they don't like. So, you know, if the spectrum of people that you're looking at uh, doesn't like discounts or value, but they like quantitative value more than discount, they like customer service more than discount, they like to have a purpose behind what they purchase more than a discount, that price is irrelevant according to what they feel, then I would address those one or two things that make themselves equal and then make you in that difference better. Uh, and I think knowing the spectrum would be the first step of where, you know, one of the advantages, Andrew, you know, of being old is that I remember when the spectrum of people you could dress was small. Even if you were the world's thought leader, the biggest company, the spectrum of people that you could address was small. When Ray Kroc started McDonald's and started franchising and connecting America, uh, then those things had a community of 300,000 people. That was his objective, right? When McDonald's right. thinks today, they, <laughs> they think more in the realm of 3 billion people, not 300,000. Well, the advantage is you have the exact same access today that McDonald's has. And you didn't have even the access that they had with the 300,000 person as well. And so looking at that, <clears throat> make sure that you know your spectrum, understand and can articulate the quantitative value of how you are equal and how you are different. Does that sound fair? Totally. And actually we found that the spectrum is, is a lot wider than we initially thought. It's easy to explain as a discount replacement tool, but presented with, it's, it's not presented as either or. So people aren't choosing a discount or a, a, a donation incentive. Brands are actually just running the donation incentive program and it's actually performing just as well as a discount if not better um without without that choice on on a much broader spectrum initially we were thinking okay luxury goods targeted you know um some at price inelastic you know uh looks at, and we yeah and you know it's interesting because i forget who it was <clears throat> but somebody posted i forget which influencer was posted exactly you know what they made and how much they spent they posted their budget and yeah. I'd be interested, you know, like I'd love to see a marketing campaign. It's in the math and somebody that says, you know, next to the product, right? And it's what I do in my business verbally, but you know, here's, you know, a product's a hundred dollars, you know, cost of goods is this much, right? Overhead, overhead is this much. Marketing is this much. Charitable donation is this much. 
Yep. Do you see the value in it? Because that's your spectrum. Yep. They're okay paying profit. They're okay paying overhead. They understand there's a cost of goods, but they want to know, okay, three of these dollars are going to, to you know, whatever it is, big brother, big sister, but you know, whatever. Well, well, the, nice part is, the nice part is you now get to choose. So if you buy it, those $3 go wherever you want them to go, yeah. whatever you care about, because they care about you at the end of the day. Yeah, exactly. Well, we appreciate you coming on. Uh, please go to gives.com, G-I-V-Z.com. Andrew Foreman, uh, what a great platform. What a great compassionate capitalism. Please keep passing and appreciating what you're doing to others. It's only going to get bigger and better for all of us. Thank you so much for your abundance. Thank you, David. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. I'll see you soon, brother. Take care. Thank you. All right. <clears throat> Takeaway for the day. What do we got? Yeah. Go ahead, Mike. You look Go ahead. All you, brother. Dave, I don't know why, but I always replay in my head just throughout the day. I can hear it echoing in the back of my subconscious and unconscious. Be kind to your future self and do good deeds. Right. And I always, that's always playing in my head and I never really figured out why you say it. Right. And as I think about it, my rationale for why you say it is, is legacy. Right. The things that you do for yourself are gone when you're gone. But the things that you do for others, others remain as your legacy. And from Wayne to Ken uh, to our last guest, they were all doing things for others that are going to remain long after they're gone. And, and that's my takeaway for today. Yeah, I love that. And that's analogous to what I was going to say. You know, focus on purpose. Be purpose driven. And uh, reminds me, you know, this is old saying that, you know, most people die at 25 and they're buried at 80. And it's because they lose track of their purpose. And so, you know, like Sage talked about and Ken talked about, it, thing, it. you may not find it right away and it may change. But as long as you keep the crosshairs on it and enjoy the journey of what the purpose might be, it's kind of like happiness, right? Happiness is the way. The search for your purpose is the way. And as long as you're enjoying that, even when it's not incredibly enjoyable, you're on the right path. You're doing the right thing. And like Ken said, you know, giving back and making a difference in the world, whatever we're doing, Sage, the way she is and everyone else. I mean, that's, that's my takeaway. And I, you know, that's what I, I try to live by. Yeah. It's interesting. My takeaway is a little bit different than I thought it would be. Cause you know, the great takeaway of legacy, especially when you're dealing with, you know, your mentor of all time, Wayne Dyer for me, you know, he's up there in Napoleon Hill. Uh, and I don't know, you know, God wrote the Course in Miracles. So those are like the three mentors that I have. Um, you know, the takeaway for the day for me is the truth vibrates the fastest and that's what creates a legacy. So many people lie to themselves, uh, you know, and I'm sure Wayne Dyer did and I'm sure Serena and Sage Dyer do and I'm sure Ken does. And he talked about the posers and the, you know, the people who buy things they don't need to impress people they don't like. Um, and with the good intention, uh, but the truth will vibrate the fastest and always come out. And when Dave, you know, talked about, uh, David talked about, you know, being kind to your future self. Well, you have to be kind to yourself by being honest with yourself. And I, you know, I have so many people, especially with the TV show coming out next week, we're filming next week. I have so many people involved in my 24 hours of daily activity and the number one common denominator that's a detriment to them is how much they lie to themselves. And what happens is if you're able and capable of raising your own awareness, you're just, you know, these circles are so small. You know, the people that, you know, call me and tell me what's going on is so small. 
and it just exposes people. Then you have to implement the great chain of, of feeding and bleeding uh, because as I have learned, you know, I want to be honest with myself and in order to do so, I have to be around the people that are minutes and moments outside of that, but not days, weeks, months, and years of lying to themselves uh, because I am on a mission like Serena and Sage, like Ken, like Andrew, uh, to build a legacy the best that I can. Uh, so hopefully you'll text that, Dave, uh, over to Mikey. Mikey, you can text that back so everybody can can read that stuff. We appreciate it. You hear me? You feel me? You get me? Everybody out there, thank you so much. Hopefully I'll see you guys on Clubhouse. I've been looking forward to seeing you guys on the, the private coaching group. We're really looking forward to seeing you guys this week here in California. I know you got a lot going on. So uh, please, uh, everybody. We'll see you in about 15 minutes on Clubhouse, Breakfast of Champions. It's the takeaway of the day all day long on there. All right. Take care, you guys. I'll see you Bye soon. Bye, guys. Right on. All right. Here we go. Everybody, Friday training this week is passion, purpose, and profitability. Uh, looking forward to 11 a.m. Pacific time. Over 20 years of training that we're dealing with. Office hours going to the big time filming next week. Clubhouse at 6 a.m. Pacific time as well. You can reach me, David, at dmelter.com. I want to thank Serena, Sage, although Serena's in uh, Hawaii, uh, Ken, of course, and Andrew for joining us with such great input and content and helping others. To that measure, thank you, Matthew, for waking up early or making your bed so it looks good for me. And most importantly, be kind to your future self and do good deeds. Thanks so much. Take care.